the Lord has made to where we will not be able to get that kind of perspective on our own because that is just, we are, we are finite creatures. And so he has made it to where we need him. We need others. Mm. And so we've, you've got to get perspective. So whether it's a Patterson type of guide, it's whoever you happen to know who's an incredible life coach or a counselor or a pastor, whoever it is, you need other people speaking into that and, and giving you that perspective. Every single individual has a story to tell, and they're great stories that need to be heard. I want every listener to know they have the ability to change the world. Welcome to the 1720 Podcast. What's up, Mile Movers? Welcome back to the 1720 Podcast. We're honored to have Kent Rabelais. That's right. Yes! Got no, it. Say, it, say it the right way. Rebel ass. <laughs> it's also like, acceptable. Yeah. Well, I, the, I'm looking at all the the notes and the bullet points, but the only thing I can think of is don't butcher his last name. Yeah. Don't butcher his last name. He nailed it. Yeah. That's but great. thanks for joining us, man. This is uh, one of Stewie's childhood friends that they kept looping in in the story, and he's got some real stuff to bring up uh, that I think is going to hit home for a lot of listeners. And typically, we do elevator pitch to start this, but you've known Stewie since like the fourth grade, so why don't we kick it off with maybe a story yeah. that either hits home or funny or whatever you got, man. O- open floor on that. You, so excited. You can, you can tell the story, but I think I'll, since the fourth grade, we've known each other. But also, like, I commonly say between you and Jonathan, yeah. y'all are my oldest friends. Yeah. Like, I even w- talked with mom about it over oh, the weekend. I was like, yeah. name somebody I've known for longer than Kent. Yeah. And mom's like, I don't I don't know anybody. You've learned, and I was like, what about? She's like, no. That, so, like, the yeah. my oldest friend. It's the same for me, too. Yeah. It's pretty remarkable. It is remarkable. So here's a story. It's still known in Kirbyville, where we were both at the time. Stuart went later on to lore at Hardin-Jefferson High School. But this was at Kirbyville in junior high. And uh, playing basketball against Kuntz, Kuntz Lions, which are Kuntz's incredible basketball program. And I was getting my first start. Coach Bush put me in. And uh, here was the thing. I drove up into kind of the corner, and Stuart would post up, and I would throw huge lob passes right over the waiting hands of the defender, right into Stuart's hands. He'd turn and get a two. And that happened like three times in a row, crowds going nuts. (laughs) I don't remember the story. No, no, no. I still vividly remember it. And then finally, I go down and hit this big shot, and like everybody's going nuts. Granted, I like I, I was the end of the bench. Like, and this was like Coach Bush is like being nice to the end of the bench dude getting to play. And so it was like, and then it was Coons, right? Because they they were incredible. They went on yeah. state championships yeah. and kind of like Harden Jefferson that way. And so I always remember the time when uh, Stewart helped me out with basketball, where just caught my beautiful lob passes and just punk some people. So. I don't remember that story at yeah, all. Yeah, I thought you'd appreciate that. I do appreciate that because it does. Because it's a basketball It's a reference. basketball story. Yeah, if yeah. you're playing podcast bingo, you're checking boxes already. <laughs> Fast forward to today and he can't hit the hit oh, a gosh. K-cup into the garbage can of his life depended on it. Not 30 minutes ago, I get a K-cup out of the coffee maker and, try, and I turn to like fling it into a enormous 55-gallon. Kobe. Yeah, come up like two feet short. Yeah. Kev walks around the corner and he's like, yeah, basketball, huh? <laughs> Oh, man. Come on. There you go. Come on. That's a good story. Yeah. Dude, we played a lot of basketball. We did. That was a thing back then yeah. all the time, especially me, you, and Jonathan. So man. good. We need to catch up with Jonathan. We do. All right. So I'll get us back to – Yeah. That's a good story, by the way. Thanks. Get us back to who's Kent Rabelais. 
Yes. So, man, I think at a high level, you know, I heard the, uh, I've heard a few people say this where you're, I'm 43 now. And so you're like, man, condensing everything. But yeah, yeah I grew up in a small town in Southeast Texas, which we've referenced Kirbyville. And uh, I think that's where my uh, creativity and dreaming started because there's not a lot to do out in those spaces, yeah. play <laughs> basketball, dream. Uh, and so, meth. My, yeah, meth. <laughs> unfortunately, that's super sad. Friends that you're like, yeah. man, it really got them. Yeah. So, and then my parents divorced at an early age. I'm sure we'll talk about that some where, you know, I didn't have a memory of them married. So it was just mom uh, pretty much raised me and then I would see my dad every other weekend. Uh, so big part of my story and uh, really went through a lot of depression. I've always been a bit prone to melancholy. Uh, went through a depressive season and then started hanging out with some friends who invited me to a revival in Kirbyville. And uh, that's when I became a believer, when I first heard the gospel of Jesus, and it was uh, incredible. It was just life-giving and blew me up. And I, I say I had this honeymoon time with the Lord where I realized, okay, it's not it's not anything I do. It's I'm, I need Jesus in, in every way. And then went to college at Baylor University in Waco, sick and embarrassed. Uh, and man, just truly uh, never got involved in a church and, and really drifted and uh, and went prodigal is probably the best way I can say what happened there. <laughs> yeah. Also at that time, got married to my high school sweetheart when I was 19. Um, and so there, were, there was a lot that happened in college, really uh, began a love for film and storytelling through a class I took there at Baylor. Uh, went to LA for a while and worked on a screenplay that got a lot of great reviews and, and movement about the 1900 storm of Galveston. Mm -hmm. And, uh, man, all of a sudden it was like my dreams were about to come true. If I could see the Oscar statue and then everything fell apart and moved back to Texas, got, went through a divorce, um, and really hit rock bottom. And then, uh, the Lord was just kind and gracious to call me back to himself, true prodigal story. Um, had a friend call me, invited me to a little church at the time called the Village Church in uh, Highland Village, and it was March of 06. And I walked up the steps of, of the village in March of 06, and I was like, welcome home. And mm -hmm. it felt like I'd been there like 40 years, and it was day one of 40 years. And so went through a lot of counseling and uh, and man, my ex-wife got remarried um, after the divorce we had, and so I couldn't reconcile that. Uh, so uh, had a desire to marry again and got married again in uh, 08. Um, and so we'll talk, I'm sure, about that too. And yeah, then, yeah. Uh, so that was big. And then professionally, um, I kind of gave up the film side and the Lord was like, no, 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 you're not done with it. You just perverted something that I gave you a passion for and a gift for. So started uh, making a lot of short films at an agency called Pursuant for nonprofits like Notre Dame and American Cancer and American Heart. And the Lord just really redeemed, you know, that whole storytelling side and then started a couple of companies. Ended up in 2013 going to the Village Church uh, to be the executive director of communication for them and really just got to blend at that point a gospel redemption story with storytelling and filmmaking and creativity, uh, which was incredible. And and so recently just left that to start a new company called Kent Studio, which will just combine all that as creativity, storytelling, uh, gospel, counseling people. So you know, three kids now, um, extremely, uh, just thankful, you know, it's not a one plus one equals two yeah. story. So that's a, the quick microwave version. Yeah. What have you been up to Kev? That was very well-rounded. Okay. I already have like seven bullet points that I want to get into. Yeah. So we'll, we'll try to figure out how to get through them because Kevin is like fully naked today with no prep sheet. Yeah. We yeah. did no prep sheet. We tried, can I exchange some emails? I was like, yeah. I'm gonna get this to you on Wednesday night. And then 
didn't. So we're just going <laughs> to see. <laughs> we'll just see. Uh, but we had exchanged some ideas about me trying to be creative about telling your story. And yeah. we thought about like, let's just start in the middle. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how we're going to spider away from it. Yeah. Um, but let's start in the middle. Yeah. There's a conversation in there somewhere yeah. that uh, kind of forms the linchpin of, of of your story. I think maybe like the the uh, maybe that's the right word linchpin, and we'll we'll just rotate around that. See that's where great. we go. So take us to yeah. that space and time and tell us a story. So in that time at the village, the Lord, as you kind of heard quickly, just had redeemed so much in my life. Whether we, you know, on this show, you guys talk about faith, family, and work. I feel like all three were like, man, this is incredible, uh, an incredible story. And at the same time, I was just sort of inside, I would say, kind of dying slowly, uh, which is really weird. That doesn't make any sense, Um, but that's what was happening. And so I was with a counselor named Jack Nicholson. (laughs) I was joking with Stuart, not the (laughs) actor, which would be a totally different counseling session, (laughs) Uh, but an incredible counselor. And uh, he had worked with Matt Chandler, our our lead pastor at the village, and then had worked with our leadership team. And and then basically there were five of us that were going through a train-the-trainer with Jack of, man, there's so much you have to share about wholehearted leadership. So we were in a session, um, and Jack is really big on experiential learning, meaning that you're not just going to, like right now, we and the listeners are just taking in ideas. Experiential learning would be a physical outworking of what's going on inside. So I was telling Jack, I feel that, that I have this slow wasting away inside. And so Jack had taught us about these quadrants of mind, strength, heart, soul. It just comes from the great commandments, ancient stuff, right? That when the, you know, the uh, the crowds come up to Jesus saying, like, what is the greatest commandment? Because they're like, this is the teacher of Israel. Then tell me, like, what's the thing I need to know, the yeah. secret? And he's like, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself. That's, yeah. that's it. All the commandments come to that. So if you think about mind, strength, heart, and soul, you can think about those as we – that's true of all of us, right, of, of like these quadrants. Um, and so mind and strength you can think of as like the human doing. Me with my mind, my intellect, learning, studying, getting concepts, ideas, theology, right? Strength being going out and executing on that and physical activities and dashboards and tactics, okay? So that's the human doing. Then beneath that is the heart and the soul, which is – this, these are my emotions and the heart, my feelings, relationships, people, and the soul is more about storytelling, mythology, narrative, symbols, right? Okay. So Jack had, had walked us through this concept and, and was like, I want you to go stand, and he kind of made a quadrant on the ground with tape. So I want you to go stand in the strength quadrant, which is upper right of this quadrant. And then I want you to look down in the soul, like kind of look into that human doing And so I did that, and he just said, what do you want? Like, what is – and all of the doing that you have, like, what is missing? And I was like, I want to get down back into the soul. Like, I miss stories. I miss uh, creating. I There's a part of the artistic side of myself that have just buried it in terms of all the things I had to do as an executive leader at a a large nonprofit, as a husband, as a father. And that's just a part of myself that was just buried. And so he said, well, if you want to get in it, then then move towards it. And he said, um, you know, as I started to move towards it, he got a guy that was in our group that was like <laughs> CrossFit champion of the world guy. <laughs> you know, like you look around and like this dude, he works out in his own CrossFit gym like twice a, a, a day just for fun. So he was like, JT is his name. Uh, and he was like, JT, you go stand in, in the soul quadrant and Kent's going to have to push you out 
of that quadrant to get where he wants to go. So JT becomes the resistance that I'm feeling, this mm-hmm. threshold that I'm up against. Mm-hmm. So I just start wrestling. We're just like wrestling, like literally like trying to push JT out of that soul quadrant so I could go into it. And kind of stopped us. And he said, don't like, don't stop like being tense. Just hold that. And he looked at me and he said, does this look like you're in a good spot right now? And yeah. I mean, I almost like just lost it. Uh, yeah. I was like, no. <laughs> no. Uh, and he was like, okay, well, then then push through into who God made you to be. Like, stop trying just to be this person that everybody sees as an executive leader and an incredible husband, this great father. Like, those those can all be true and good, but you're pretending. And so I, I just, I did, like, I just kind of got down and hunkered down and pushed JT out and got in there. And it was like this something broke inside of me, like where it was like ice melting, you know, type of experience. And I just looked across and he was like, how do you feel? And I was like, I feel alive. Like I feel like, like I'm more wholehearted. Um, and so then we just had a, a, a quick conversation and he had me talk with Jesus, like sit across Jesus, just talk to him. Like, wh- what do you see in all of this? And what do I want from Jesus? And so I did that. And that began, that was like a dam breaking where it like all of these things, I think, leading up to that point. And here's the thing. I'm, I was about to turn 40. Mm-hmm. So I'm in that space where it's like you're, we all get to, um, if, if you're, that's part of your story, which understanding your audience, I think there's a lot of people that age yeah. or after that. And it was like, man, I have got some work to do. And that started. Now, this is the part that you're like, good news and bad news. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the good news is that started and gave me clarity for the work I need to do. The bad news is I think four years later, I'm just now getting on the other side of that threshold. Yeah. There was a lot of work to do. And yeah. so Jack continued to help me with that and other things. But that was a turning point in my story that really changed the trajectory of my life and, and led to me sitting here today. So that that's what we were kind of, you were kind of referencing yeah, yeah, that yeah. Stuart and I have been talking about of that moment and what happened with Jack. So what's the, I mean, there's, there's something that, of course, correct me here if I kind of get part of it jumbled, but yeah. like there's something in there that was creating the resistance, right? Yes. So I think <clears throat> if I'm going to tell a chronology. I think what I'm saying is let's go backwards. Yes. Then. Yeah. Like what is it that's generating the resistance? I mean, that I, I could, Throw some, I lob some stuff at uh-huh. you. Be like, what about this? What about this? Yeah. What about this? But I, I'm more curious in like where you're going to go with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. What is it that was causing that resistance that, that got you out of your quadrant? That, that you yeah, know, that sort of thing. So I can see it as a repeating story in my life. Um, it was similar when I talked about going prodigal. Is that my tendency is to want to perform so that others say, "Man, Kent is unique, special, and successful." That is just a huge driver for me. So when I get at my lowest, I actually see clearest, which is just a gospel thing. And it's really weird. Hold on. Say more about that. What do you mean by that? When I get to the space where I'm really humbled, I'm broken. Yeah, I got you. You know, I'm like at the end of my strength. That's where Jesus always is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel that. I get you. And so what happened is... Even after this this prodigal return and all of this like beautiful church community and uh, a true just gospel motivation, over time it began to be well. Okay, Kent, you're going to be a creative writer at this agency that makes videos for big nonprofits. Great. 
So I'm just writing away scripts and stories. You know what? You're really good at leadership and people like, let's promote you into associate creative director. Well, that feels, I'm sitting up a little bit higher. Yeah, Kent's awesome. He got promoted. That's pretty good. More money, status. Uh, Oh, wait, now, you know, our creative director left to make a movie, Uh, (laughs) you know, Paul Stelic. But, you know, he leaves to make a movie and it's like, okay, why don't you become creative director? Sit up a little bit higher. And then, you know, at home, it's like, man, uh, you know, I, I love the way that you love Kristen. And I'm like, well, again, we talk about this. That was, I learned a lot from being an idiot much younger. <laughs> when I was much younger, I made, you know, like my ex-wife had to endure a lot. Um, and so that's a part of that. But you sit up a little bit higher. And for me, what happened is over time, slowly, bit by bit, without being able to see it, I am sitting in that strength quadrant that I'm referencing of execution of doing things, of getting things done. Like that's what, you know, people will say, Kent's a creative guy who gets things done. Like, heck yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I get things done. Yeah. Right. But slowly the part of me that is more of like the artistic creative side is just fading away, Mm -hmm. just getting eaten alive by this executive leader guy. And so that is what happens. And then it's like, I have to get to the end of myself again in that strength story and then the Lord is kind enough when I go back saying, God, I am, I am law. Like I need help. Please mm-hmm. help me. Uh, and he's just, he's been faithful just to, to be right there yeah. uh, to meet me. So hopefully that helps. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, I feel like that's not, not well, everybody has a different story, right? Yeah. But it's, at least from my perspective, like I get that. Yeah. I get that. I mean, I was talking with someone this week, might've been yesterday actually. About how, like, everybody perceived me as being, like, a perfectionist. I have, like, OCD yeah. tendencies. I don't miss a comma. Don't do, like, everything no. needs to be straight. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But listen, though, this is, like, I think, I don't know that it's, like, necessarily, like, a revelation. You might be like, yeah, dog, I knew that forever. But, like, it's, I've, like, peeled it back enough to be like, oh, I don't, I'm actually not OCD. I'm actually not a perfectionist. What I am is a people pleaser. And the reason that I care about those, the, the minutia, the reason I care about that detail, the reason I lean in on it is that because... I want you to think I'm awesome. The layers of why. Yeah. And but, why? But, why? but why? But why? But why? Yeah. And, and so keep the, reason, going. the reason I care about whether or not you use an Oxford, Oxford comma yeah. is because I want you to know that I'm educated and I want you, and I yeah. want you to know that I do, I, I'm, I'm real red and then I do yes. blah, 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 and, blah, 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 and eventually leading to kind of the same thing. Kent's awesome. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's not, I don't care about a period. I care about you thinking I'm awesome. awesome. Yeah. And boy, that like just peeling and tearing that away. I mean, like the, the five layers of why or whatever, like asking you all the questions, like, there's been some of that this week where I'm just like, huh, oh, that's interesting, yeah. Oh, uh, man, it always ends in a mirror. Yeah, yes. I got to go. Uh, yeah, I'll figure that out while I'm gone. Wow. Yeah. You know. Which is unsettling. It, it really is. is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so what's the, I mean, you said, I think you said, it's kind of yeah. like a repeating pattern, right? Like yeah. a wind up, drop, wind up, drop, yep. wind up, drop sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell, let me, I think we continue to go backwards, but tell me some other of those stories. Yeah. I, I took a few notes. I'll make sure we hit them. But like, yeah. it sounds like the one from... Hey, I'm prodigal. I've wound up drop. Like yeah. that's the most recent yeah. sort of timeline. I lost it, but decade yeah. or so. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but I, I think there's one before that. Yeah. Well, even in high school, you know, I was before I became a believer, I was trying to hang out with the cool kids, you know, and 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 trying to get affirmation that way. And my old uh, tennis coach, Coach Caston, Miss Caston, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, called me out in front of the whole team and was like, hey, these people that are hanging, you're hanging out with, they're making fun of you behind your back. 
they're not your friends and you have a lot more in you. I was skipping school at the time and dominating Tech Mobile, I will say that. <laughs> I mean, dominating. There was like that We're just super using Tech Bo Mobile. Jackson. Yeah. Well, but then that super Tech Mobile where it tracked your whole season. And so I was getting a lot of good stuff done there, but not at, not at school. Anyway, so she just called me out. You know, it was that great coach moment where she called me out and up. Uh, maybe a little shaming, but uh, and she kicked me off her tennis court and, you know, went home that summer and just was like, well, I have to find new friends because mm. the, and she was, I knew she was right, but it was like, oh, this was true. So when is that? That was, uh, so 1995. Okay. So, I mean, that was like sophomore, sophomore year of high school. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was moving into my junior year and, uh, in 96 where all of that really changed. And so I say that to say that changed. I become a believer, like I talked about. And then all of a sudden, it's like I become band president, right? And then it's like I'm, you know, making much better grades because I'm actually applying myself. <laughs> and, you know, it's all of these things start to be like, man, look at Kent, you know, and start to be a leader in the youth group and in, in the church. And it's like, it's great. But then it's like I get tired because it's some of so much of it's being driven by external affirmation rather than internal motivation. So a question that I've asked myself lately is like, what if this company I'm starting fails and, you know, I just have to go back and try to find a job somewhere else? Like, or, like what do I do with that? Because yeah. you know what I mean? Like, that's why part of this is so scary. And it's like, the question is not that. It's just, I need to keep saying like, I have been created to be someone who tells stories and who is artistic and who loves that side of, of the world. And I can't ignore that. Like, and I, I can't let getting a title or a certain salary or, you know, something. So if that's what it takes, then that's, that is going to be the reality is that the Lord's going to provide. And so I just need to be who I am. And that makes me better at home. I mean, yeah. Kristen's already remarked and everybody's <laughs> remarked, like since I've left the role at the church of like, I've just, it feels like I'm 10 years younger. Ooh. Now, some of that is you leave a, a position like that in a church, you know, that I was in and you have a lot of responsibility lifted off of your shoulders for a yep. little bit. So some of that's that, but I do think some of it's just that more of being who God uniquely made me to be. So I've, I've went, I've, went to the future there again, but that's okay. That's, I want to hang out there for just a second. Yeah. Um, I've had two conversations in the last two weeks around this idea of like figuring out. And I think it's probably because I can't have the same age. I know you're a little younger, but we're at that, like eh, kind of feels like a midlife <laughs> a crisis one. going on right now. Like what the heck? Like yeah. everybody's, re I feel like at least a lot of people in my peers groups are wrestling with that. I've wrestled with like, is it age? Is it COVID? Like, is two years of staying at home yeah. or whatever you were doing? Like, does that like have? Did that have a some penchant or tendency to like snap you back to be like, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. But irrespective of the the cause, the thought is processing through people's minds right now. Like, what what am I supposed to be doing? Is this the right thing? Yeah, and I'll take it to a different spot to be like, what are your spiritual gifts? Like, what has God called you to do? Right, um, and. You might just be like, I've always known, but have you ever like, like what's the process, at least from your perspective yeah. of trying to figure that out? Like, yeah. how did you go through that exercise? Cause you very clearly identify yeah. like, this is what I do. Yep. And I could, by the way, I could have told you that like 30 years ago, bro. <laughs> that's but, always true though. Isn't that anyway, funny? Yeah. Yeah. But like, what's, yeah. what's that like specific 
substantive journey look like? Yeah. So that one is the most helpful for me was something called the Patterson process. So uh, Tom Patterson created it and Tom was uh, a process thinker. Uh, Peter Drucker called him the greatest process thinker he had ever met, which is saying a lot. Um, Tom worked with uh, Walton Roy Disney to create Space Mountain. He created the, the pin number that we use in the ATM machines. He was Reagan sent him over to China to kind of under, understand uh, trades with China and the U.S., so Tom was an incredible man, but was not a believer for a lot of his career and became a believer later in life and was like, man, I would love to apply the process thinking I've done with companies, thinking of vision and strategy and tactics and all of that with people. So he created something called the Patterson Life Plan. And um, I, I was able to go through a Patterson Life Plan with their, their vice president, Eric Jacobson, who's an incredible guide. And it was through that process that I got clarity on, okay, these are my unique talents. These, this is my story, you know, how it came together. And that, that was the process, but here's the fundamental, regardless of the process used, it's what you just said. Like I could have told you that 30 years ago, yeah. it's perspective. It's like you, the Lord has made it to where we will not be able to get that kind of perspective on our own because that is just, we are, we are finite creatures. And so he has made it to where we need him. We need others. Mm. And so we've, you've got to get perspective. So whether it's a Patterson type of guide, it's whoever you happen to know, who's an incredible life coach or a counselor or a pastor, whoever it is, you need other people speaking into that and, and giving you that perspective. So for me, it was Patterson, the doing a life plan that helped me, but there's all kinds of ways you can go get that perspective. But I think that's the key is to go like get good perspective. Oh yeah. The mentorships and people that are ahead of you in their journey and yes. can see things in you that you can't see in yourself. hundred yeah. percent. That's crazy. It. I had that. That's super helpful. So many, so much of the podcast is me like just asking questions. I want to know the answer to like, it's yeah. all about Kent right now, but like, I kind of wanted to know what you would say for my own personal self. Yeah. And because I had a, a conversation with a uh, someone this week, and it revolved around that. He's like, I don't know. Like, and I, re I remember not knowing what to say to him. That's why I asked you that question. I was like, yeah. I need to go back to that person and be like, hey, what up? Try this. Because I remember saying, you've been wrestling with this for a long time mm -hmm. and you can't figure it out on your own. I identified the issue. Yeah. But I didn't know what to say in terms of like, so then you should. Yeah. Yes. Like, I didn't know what to say. Yeah. So that's super helpful because like there are people right now who are like orbiting a lot of our spaces. Yeah. They're like, I don't know. I don't know. Well, it's just everybody needs a guide, and that's the heart of storytelling, right? There's no story. You've always got a hero, but there's no hero without a guide. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's the classic story, whether you're talking about Luke meeting Obi-Wan in episode four. Uh, so I, I'm going to be very particular if we get into Star Wars references. but I'm all about uh, it. Yeah. So you've got that, or you've got Seamus and helping Katniss in the Hunger Games. And, you know, it, there's a lot that's been written about this space, whether you think about Carl Jung or Joseph, Joseph Campbell or even Donald Miller's popularized a lot of this lately. But we just need a guide. Like we are in some ways a hero on a journey and you have to have a guide and the Lord's, I believe, has made it that way. So I've actually never had that thought before. Like that. Have you ever thought about that? Like ever, like this idea that like all heroes have a guide yeah. and like, as you're rattling through some of those names mean nothing to me, but it's, some of them hit and I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, let me do it this way. So that Christian Leitner needed <laughs> Coach K. Okay? Yeah. Oh, now we're speaking <laughs> basketball talk. Okay, I got it. Yeah, some yeah. of that might be life's experiences, like yeah. some sort of trauma or something that's like, I'll never go there again, or that's taught me to do it the opposite way. That's right. And like that's your mentorship from that life experience. That's right. And I think they, they change over time. You know, we have different guides come in and out of our lives depending on where we're at in our journey. Yeah. But everybody needs a guide. I'm, I'm going to ask a selfish question because it. it was when, when he sent me your testimony video, yeah. I don't know if I've ever heard it put this way, but it was like a light bulb moment for me based on my experience mm-hmm. was the honeymoon period. So, yeah. so I'm, I'm putting a timeline together. It looks like maybe you were saved in high school. Yes. Yeah. You get on fire. Like, yeah. so that mm-hmm. 2012, I was saved. So not that long ago. Yeah. On fire. Yep. I had my worst self-inflicted year 2014 yeah so for two years on fire and then then, oh my goodness did i enter a valley yes um and and it confuses you because i'm still like a quote-unquote baby christian yes and i'm like but wait like yeah why did this happen Mm -hmm. and it's because that honeymoon period fizzled away yeah that's right so i kind of want to hear that from you like what what did that because you've said it twice now in the video and then on this like yeah the honeymoon period, you were on fire, and then what? Yeah, and then number one thing is went to college, didn't get involved in a church. So again, the, you, when I say church, people have all kinds of different – there's church hurt. There's all kinds of things that come up with church. What I mean is a group of believers who are together under some type of authority, um, and that'll – for some people, that's just hard, but I do think there are elements that make up a, a church uh, that is following Jesus. And so – I didn't get involved in that, which means I didn't have perspective, right? I didn't have community. I didn't have people around me. I certainly didn't have a guide. So I'm off by myself. Mm-hmm. And the scriptures talks about that. Like Satan actually asked if he can bring people over to be on their own so he can sift them like mm-hmm. wheat. And so that is what happened to me. And I still think that's what happens when I realize when I'm I'm far away. And part of that I talked about when I, you get to those broken spots I'll be like, man, I have drifted from being known. Because we all have this deep desire to be known. Not known like even we're talking about knowledge we have of each other right now. I'm talking about known like in your worst moments. This person knows you and loves you. You're not going anywhere. So that is something that when I can feel myself drifting, even with like my wife now, who is definitely that, there I might be like, not bringing her into everything that's going on. And then slowly I start to just kind of fade. Like in my relationship with Jesus starts to suffer. And then the tendency is to run and hide instead of going near him. And I'm I'm telling you guys, one of the best books that I have read in the past decade for sure is Gentle and Lowly. So it's by Dane Ortland. I return to Gentle and Lowly so often. And his, his thesis is simply Jesus talks about his heart one time. One time he talks about his heart. And in that scripture, it says that he's gentle and lowly in spirit. And that means that in our darkest times, he will meet us. He will meet us with tenderness and grace. And our, like you were talking about, Kevin, in that time where you're just in 14, where it's like, you're, you're like, gosh, I just hit a low point. He's right there. Yep. But we want to tell ourselves that's when he's, okay, this was finally the thing that broke off the relationship. And so for prodigals or people that are like, have been Christians for a long time, that's what I don't feel like we hear enough about in sermons or talked about enough is that, but okay, I get it if I have him come believer, but what if I am, and then I actually have made my worst sin ever after that? Like what, what do I do then? Yeah. 
he meets you there. He is gentle and lowly in spirit. You repent, you look to him, and he meets you there. And he says, like he told the woman, go and sin no more. But there's also the reality of, again, we're finite. And so until we get to the new heaven and earth, we're going to have the reality of sin in our lives. So it's if I sum that up, I would say it was being community is like the more that I'm known, the more that there's help there. And then that sense of him being gentle and lowly to meet me when I get in those low spots, whether they're self-inflicted low spots or sometimes it is just a fallen world. Yeah, Stuff conditional. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. so in the peaks and valleys, right? So like yeah. we're talking about the full fall. Yeah. So, so now you see this with hindsight. What checks and balances do you have in place yeah. with the continuous community and all? So if when you're at that peak and you're on fire and all that, but yeah. all of a sudden you start taking that those steps down, first, mm-hmm. second step, what are you doing? Are you, are you telling your wife, oh, yes. I'm calling myself on the table on this? Or are you telling your community group like, yeah. so you don't go to the next valley? Like, what are those checks and it's, balances? It's that part of it is starting with this story. And so, you know, I think it's essential that anytime you're trying to have an intentional, deep community, everybody's got to share their story and be willing to share it rawly. Then it's like now we can like actually know, hey, are you – is this happening again, right? You oh, can ask those yeah, questions. Yeah. So that's a big part is making sure my core group, they know my story and they do. And then inviting them in to like – because it's going to be awkward. You know, it's like no one really wants to say that. In fact, if you want to do a test of like where you're at in community, how long has it been since someone just really challenged you in your walk with Jesus? You know, really like – hey. This has felt like th- something's just off here. If it's been recently, man, count your blessings. Like you are a loved person. If it hasn't, that's okay. It's just it may be, may be good to invite somebody into that space or be that friend to somebody else. Yeah, yeah. But I think that part of community, and then you know, praying the Psalms for me has been a big one. There's a, a book by uh, Donald Whitney called Praying the the Psalms. It's basically like praying God's words back to him. Because I don't know if you, this is how I am. I get up in the morning to pray. And before I know it, I'm like, oh, I need to do that thing on the website. That copy was not. And then it's like. In the middle of the prayer? In the middle of Yeah. It's just like, yeah. and then yeah. it's like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, I got that appointment. And then all of a sudden. So, and then it's 2.30. And it's you know, just. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, I cannot, I just can't focus. And so praying the Bible was so helpful because basically the thought is you start with the Psalms. You pray God's words back to him. And although David didn't write all of the Psalms, you have a lot of different authors. You have a lot of honesty, right? So you just take yeah. these things and and look. So today's the 15th. So I'm reading Psalm 15. I'm starting with the whatever the day of the week is, 1 through 31. Mm-hmm. Then I go 30 Psalms up. And so I go 25, 35, 45. So now I'm reading Psalm 45. Mm-hmm. And so you just do that and just I just start praying the Psalms. And I that has been huge for me. And and you'd put that under in classical Christian uh sanctification, right? That you would put that under Bible reading. But for me, it's a little been a little bit different than study. It's been prayer. Um, so that's been another just helpful practice in addition to community and that gentle and lowly uh, perspective of Jesus. So Yeah. I'm going to go back to something you said earlier because we were talking about being known. Mm-hmm. And we talk about community and having a group of folks that you're like hanging out with and all that. But I think a lot of times when people think being known, you think, oh, yeah, I know he's, his wife's ex and I know he's got kids right. and he really loves ex and – that's not what we're talking about. No. No, that's not what we're talking about. So like like Stewie's off type thing. Yeah. Like, like uh, if you don't have like yeah. You 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 alluded to it. You may have said it exactly, but like if if someone's not saying, "Dude, the last two times we've met, yeah. something's wrong." Yep. 
I, I can tell by your the intonation of your voice and your body language and the fact that you show up seven minutes late and you got to grab your stuff and go. Yeah. I, whatever it is, I know you. Yeah. And I know you're not showing up here. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. Like that's the sort of known. Like yes. I I know what your propensities are. I know that when you hit that skid, your propensity is to go do X. Yeah. I see that. Are you doing X? Yes. How do I love you and shepherd you and bring you like, yep. that's what I'm, that's what you're talking about. That's, that's what we're talking about community. Yeah. Not like, uh, we grab lunch once a month and we kind of go around the circle and talk about like what it's like at work and right. I check in with you, you know, like that. That's yeah. not what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll say for those listening, if you happen to catch this one day and you are like, that sounds great. I'm in an apartment or a home by myself after a divorce in darkness with no friends that's what I was like in 05, 06 before I came to the village. And that's when in the video testimony where I talk about I was just like, Lord, just take me. And that was really my prayer was like, I'm, I am done. Like I have failed in film. I didn't accomplish what I wanted to there. I failed, uh, you know, as a husband, no one's going to want to marry me. And I was by myself with no friends in an apartment in Mansfield, Texas, and was just like, I'm, I'm dead. And if you're real, will you – you've got to move. Like there's no other moves. It's like if, if you exist, you have to move. And I prayed that for probably three months with hearing nothing until a friend uh, called me out of the blue that I went to school with in Kirbyville and uh, had just found out that I was living in the area and invited me to, to come to church. And, and, you know, that was a turning point. So it was one call from somebody who just reached out. So I say that to say if you're an introvert, uh, some of that is pray. And then I would also say just you're going to have to take that step yeah. of, of going in somewhere. It doesn't have to be a big church. It could be a church of 30 people, but just crossing that line. And if you're an extrovert, you're going to have to take the step of being real. Hey, everything can't just be fun and games all the time. Yeah, like, yeah, you're yeah. going to have to actually share something that yeah. makes you feel a little vulnerable. So anyway. I'll tell you another couple things about like taking that step, right? And I, I've never landed like specifically in that space, but I've I feel like I've been at church and like – around people who you think, mm, that person's here by themselves. That right. person showed up for the first, you know? Yeah. And my instinct in that moment is like, uh, I wonder if I see anybody here I know. Right? Yeah. Totally. And I, I try real hard. I think I try real hard to like peel off and be like, hey, you're by yourself. Not out loud. But, hey, you're by yourself. Like, <laughs> hey, you're here lonely. See you later, yeah. buddy. No, not like that. You know High five, fell. See yeah. you later. Yeah. Yeah. Big gulps. Um, no, but like, say, hey, I'm Stuart. Is this your first time here? Yeah. Maybe whatever. Like, try to engage those people. Um, but that's not always the way that you're going to be engaged if you do take that step. That's if you're right. like, man, I need to do something. Sunday's coming up. I'm going to just go. Yeah. It might not be awesome. Yeah. Like you might sit next to somebody who's an introvert. You might sit next to somebody who got in a fight with their wife on the way to church and they're just trying to wrestle with like, how am I going to have to apologize to her on the way home? And now we're not going to get Sonic and right. And then, you know what I'm like, (laughs) I I guess what I'm saying is like, even if you take that step, you're like, I'm going to go. And it doesn't like end up in like a aha, all glory, sunshine on you. Everything is peaceful moment. Like that's not an indication that you did it wrong. Right. That's like, just keep going. That's good. Just keep like, stay the course because taking the step is the right thing. Yes. Stay the course. Keep taking the step. Find your space. Reach out to a, uh, some sort of group or like figure out where the people, where your people are there because those are safe spaces to be. Yep. That's it. Um, smaller the church, the less you can hide too. I've done some church shopping. Yeah. Like we walked into one by our house. It was like, 
I don't know, 50 people in there. It was yeah. like overwhelming. And I'm an extrovert and it was overwhelming it, yeah. when we left. My wife's like, I can't do this. Yeah. <laughs> so you go into a big church, like, oh, I could just go get fed, yes. pop back out. Yeah. Kent, when we were uh, kids in Kirbyville, Kent went to the big church, I think, right? Did you um, go to Central? So that's when I became a believer. I did. Uh, when I was growing up, I went to a Methodist church, so the United Methodist Church, which even for, for Kirbyville, that probably actually was a big church yeah. there. So that's the church I was I, I did. And then I went to Call Junction. So oh, did you really? Yeah, when I, you were telling your testimony on the first episode uh, of, of being at Call Junction. So I actually went to a revival with you and Jonathan. <laughs> really? So, yeah. That's hilarious. So, yeah. Yeah, I can't. Remember. I was thinking I was in the fourth grade. I think when it was. Yeah, but um, yeah, but that's how called Junction was. Yeah. Like if someone new oh, was there, you'd totally. be like, oh, somebody's new, <laughs> and he's sitting in Jeff's seat, like yeah. that sort of thing. <laughs> There's no hiding in small towns. <laughs> no, uh, Jeff. You remember Jeff Smith? Oh yeah. That, that's what mom was like. I wonder if you met Jeff Smith oh, in church before we start. Be. I was like, I don't think so. Yeah, I, maybe. But that's like Jeff. You and Jeff and Jonathan are like all like tight yeah. right there. Anywho. We went small town again. I, I want to completely squirrel out on church shopping. Go. My, well, no, because my pastor's coming next week. <laughs> so I, that'll be like part of the prep on, on his episode. Yeah. Yeah. Because like you go to one, you're like, that's not it. And then yeah. the next one, you know, like, and you find, and then you walk in and the second, you know, like your testimony, you're like, yes. oh my God, this is it. This is it. Yeah. yeah. I had, um, we were talking about it off air, but I had lunch with um, a guy who's coming on, or he's on staff. It's the second week at Watermark this week. And I was telling him my the first time I went to Watermark story. I don't know if you know it or not, but it was they were meeting over at the Lake Highlands High School at the time. Oh, okay. Ash was like, "We got to go." And I was like, first of all, maybe you've never been to Call Junction Baptist Church, <laughs> but but churches don't meet in auditoriums." Yeah. And also, these people have on <laughs> these people have on khaki shorts and flip flops. They clearly don't know anything about God. <laughs> like, yeah. Super judgmental. I was like, yeah. "Oh, oh, we're here." And there's a band. Like, we've what got to go. Yeah, strike three. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Get your purse and let's go. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, but eventually, I kind of came around to it. But uh-huh. anywho. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. I, I'm going to go back to to signpost us and then continue to pull your story backwards. Yeah. That video. Yeah. Man, when I watched it, and obviously there was a, 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 a probably a decade or more, like, we didn't hang out, yeah. talk much. But when I watched that, I was like, oh, my God. I've never heard that story before. Yeah. And I can speculate like what things like drew you, like what the, the reverse of that ramp is. Yeah. Right. They got you there. I can speculate as to what some of them were. Yeah. Um, but again, I'll just, I'll just roll the ball across the table and, and yeah. see, cause I'm curious, there's something in that story that got you to that spot yeah. and a lesson to be learned from that story, mm-hmm. if not the, the slope downward as well. So yeah. yeah. Tell me another story. Well, I mean, the L.A. part was a season where, again, we uh, co-wrote a script about Galveston, uh, which is an, an incredible story of the storm that struck Galveston in 1900, that it killed six to 8,000 uh, people just in one night. Uh, and Galveston, a lot of people don't know, was going to be the dominant port city for Texas. In yeah. fact, at the time, there were more millionaires per capita than any city but uh, the the what in Rhode Island, I think I can't remember the exact city in Rhode Island, but it was like a profitable, incredible place and has all the first in Texas, first streetcar, first electric light, all that stuff. And so we wrote this story about this storm that just comes almost like a monster to destroy the city. And at the same time, set it with a, a, a boy whose dad dies at the beginning of the movie and then learns going through his dad's stuff that he was adopted. And so the only thing he has is a compass that has Galveston on it. And he sets off at the beginning to go to Galveston to try to find his his father. 
And so you get to experience getting there from his perspective and, and seeing all of the opulence and craziness of it. So then it just becomes from there his search for his father. It's a love story all the while while this hurricane is coming to destroy it. And so it was a really well received. Um, we got into all these rooms. A lot of like my, my heroes, you're like, oh wow, we're like really close to something going through, and it just never would. And part of it was that's a hundred and fifty million dollar film, and that was in two thousand and three to make. So you're talking about creating this town at the turn of the twentieth century and then destroying it with yeah. the greatest natural disaster in American history. It's expensive. Yeah, uh, and so. Through those ups and downs, I was having success and then failure, success and then failure. Um, come back and uh, my ex-wife was working on her master's in architecture. So we moved so she could do that. And I'm, jump, I'm jumping yeah. here. Y'all were married at the time. Married at the time. Not yet divorced. Not yet divorced. Okay. So we got married just so people have a timeline. Of, we got married uh, when, like I said, when I was 19, we're married for six and a half years. And then so we got divorced officially in 2004. Okay. So um, that was all going on. But basically, if you look at what a man is supposed to do for a woman, provide for her, be faithful in every way, um, you know, be a servant to her, it was just strike, strike, strike. Like I was not doing any of those things. And so she got to the point where she just didn't want to be married anymore. And so she, you know, she made that call and, and left. And that was obviously just devastating divorces we we had kind of talked about this before I, I did want to say divorce the best way i can explain it is it's like someone's died and yet you know they haven't but they're mm. just gone um and someone that you're that close to and so it was it was awful i'm, I'm gonna give color to that yeah. that you it exists but i just want to like say it right here is yeah. like this individual is not just like someone that you met and got married to or right like ever since i i've known kent yeah y'all were dating yes like this like since the seven? No, not since I've known you. Yeah, like the seventh or eighth grade. Yeah, is this well, right? I stole her yearbook and wrote in there like, "I love you, I'll marry you someday." In sixth grade. Okay, that so happened. yeah, and so this is like a long. Yeah, it was a long, a time. long story that gets mm-hmm. to this point. It's not just like, "Oh, I got married." It didn't for, work out. For all the listeners, my wife knows every bit of all this, oh. <laughs> and, and, and she's like, "Share your story, right?" Yeah, because she, she's incredible. Yeah, because she and she loves the gospel. But yeah. anyway, so yes, that's right. Yeah, it was it was a long. We've known each other a long, a long time. And yeah. so, yeah, all that happened. And so I would look back and how I got to that apartment that day is that that was kind of it. Again, slow and steady of uh, of making this Oscar statue be a goal, which, by the way, uh, I used to make fun of my Sunday school teachers all the time of like, how did the Egyptians get saved from the largest army in the world and watch a sea get parted and then – put back together so they can be saved. And then they like six months later are making golden calf to a different God. But that's exactly what happened in my story. And it's where it's like, I'm saved. I see the sea parted. I see my enemy defeated. I am like free, right? I am a slave who is now free. And then like months later, years later, I am literally bowing down to a statue, a golden statue that just happens to be called an Oscar. That's, that happened. And it, I'm like, the Lord has a sense of humor. Cause I'm like, that's, I shouldn't have made fun of my teacher, little Sunday school teachers back in the day. Cause that's exactly what happened to me. So all that led that chase of the Oscar, uh, selfishness, all these things, not being in any community at all led to that point of being in that apartment in Mansfield and just crying out for help. There's a lot to the, how did that happen? And yet it's happening right at your feet. Yeah. Right. I mean, I feel like we, 
I do. I'm super guilty of looking back at like Old Testament stories or what the case may be like. You wandered in the wilderness for forever and food like literally was there for you to eat. And then not five minutes, like how in the world? And so then stupid. lo and behold, there's food on my table to eat. And I'm like, you know, I was like, I know oh, you're such an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, such a dumb, dumb. Yeah. He's um, patient. Patient is a great, like, mm-hmm. that's probably one of my, if you had to like characterize God, yeah. patience is probably like one of the things that speaks most to me because I'm so impatient. Yes. Yeah. And I'm just like, uh, forget about it. I'll just do it myself. Yeah. And you think like, well, that's not how God is. No. Like He's like, no, stop. Okay, come here. Yes. Okay, you're still an idiot. That's not, a common I still love you. Come here. Come like, And I think about like my parenting style on top of like yeah. being a godly father. <laughs> like how many <laughs> failures are on that, right? Like, all right, so let's see. I'm going to. Do we keep rewinding? I don't know where we go from here. You have to help me. You're the creative storyteller, man. <laughs> so you, You're the storyteller. We really did do memento here. It's like, did we really? I love it. We're all over the place. It's great. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to put these pieces back together. See what a prep sheet does? Yeah, no. It makes it boring, right, Kent? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Uno reverse that one. <laughs> yeah. Temperament types. Yeah. yeah. Can, can, uh, well, can I don't draw know. Forward? The things that we did talk about, so we've been back and forth that you mentioned, and we'll see if we want to, is you know talking about being in the church world and, and what goes all on that. That, w- that was something we, we talked about. And then, uh, yeah, really, I think it's somewhat of just where things are now. But I think we've hit everything else that we were we were talking about. Here's I'm going to tell a fun story and I'll see if there's something in it and then I'm going to jump towards jump forward but yeah. Kent and I were homies and then I I moved in the 8th grade. Let's see. I no, so. it was 7th cuz that's when I had to move to cuz we were playing together in 7th grade when I told that story at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I kind of came out of my shell and then mom was like, Hey, we're moving to Jasper. Uh, and then you moved at the same time or right around there to Harden Jefferson. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway. And so yeah. we were Homies from afar. This was like pre-internet, so I don't even know how we stayed in touch. Like, yeah. I have no idea. Probably just you coming home to visit grandma. <laughs> Probably. Like, yeah. yeah, going to see granny. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, but then, lo and behold, I end up living in a neighborhood in Beaumont yeah. that your dad lives in the same neighborhood. Yeah. And so, like, fast forward, and then we would spend, like, randomly weeks during the summer yep. as teenagers. Like, yep. Oh, Kent's at his dad's house. I guess I'll go play Sega Genesis all day. Yes. You remember that? Oh, yeah. NCAA basketball. We play a lot, too, on the Nintendo. Yes. Yeah, with Stuart being Duke, of course. Yeah. I don't even think they had Baylor. That was before they won the national championship. Yeah, that was before Baylor was any good. Yeah. Yeah. This was before Baylor did a bunch of stuff. We sure. need to go. Okay. Hey, let's <laughs> not go there. Yeah, we need to go there. We need to go there. Um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if I can pull something out from there, if there, if there is yeah. something. But, like, there's a part of that story where, like, your father died. Yeah. Not, I mean, I don't know that he was young, right? How old was your dad when he passed? 57. Okay. That's yeah. young. And then, yeah. and then like, you said, yeah. yeah, right. And then you said something earlier about how, like, you grew up, and I didn't know that about you, that, like, mm. you never, you don't remember your parents being married. Right. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um. So if there's a thread there to pull or yeah. something, like, I'd be curious what that, yeah. what that story kind of sounds like, uh, mm. just to see what's in there. So yeah. tell me something. Yeah, I mean, divorce is a thread for sure because, yeah, my mom and dad got divorced when I was about two. So that's why I just don't have any memories there. And then obviously, as I told my story of divorce. But I think when I look back on it, the the thing that's been most prescient lately has I just accepted it for what it was growing up and didn't realize the effects it had on me until much, much later where as – mom or dad before he passed would talk about the fights they had. I was like, oh man, if when my son, my oldest son drew turned two is the first time I went, 
man, if he saw that type of fight and he saw <laughs> that type of hate between his parents, that's going to have an effect on a two-year-old. Mm-hmm. Like it, it just gets in there. And so part of my work as I kept working with Jack one-on-one was to explore that part, uh, which is is really hard but really beneficial of just – I mean, where did that part of my childhood just really get disrupted? And so that that part of divorce, I didn't even realize the ripple effects of it until a few years ago. Um, and so there's there's that. And then with dad uh, passing, I think the thing there was we had a really rough relationship, as you would think, probably hearing enough of the story, like that's going to be a strained relationship, but that grew a lot closer as I got older. And, uh, you know, especially as after I went through my divorce, now I'm sitting with somebody who can empathize because he had been through it. And this is just the oddity of, of the way sin works out, but then also the gospel of yeah. the Lord will bring these mercies out of this awfulness. And so, we connected a lot in that time and and had a good run where we just got to be friends and got to talk about life before he passed. Mm-hmm. And so um, Lord's really good there. But there is something about your dad dying that just is a game changer too in life. Like I'll never forget going to MD Anderson in Houston and walking into the hospital room. My stepmom said, you know, he fell. We're at MD Anderson. And I walked in and his mouth was just like a gate, like he was just out of it. And I was like, oh, I did, this is this is really bad. Mm. And it was, you know, it's one of those things where the doctor said he's got so many brain tumors, we can't even count them, you oh, know, on the man. scan. Right. Where you're just but so we're just like praying, you know, just uh, until something is different. I'm going to just ask for a miracle. Right. And that's what we did. But. It was four weeks later. Um, I'd been to visit him and and had been there. Went back home for a little bit to do some work. And uh, my son, my oldest, Drew, had just been born. So he was three months old. And I was holding him. And my stepmom called and said, your dad died. Um, and I just remember weeping. You know, I just yeah. broke. And then my three-year-old was grabbing at my tears and laughing. And that is like if there's something that sums up life, yeah. that, that story will – always stick with me because that's it, right? Like new life, this opportunity to be a dad with this three-year-old boy or three-month-old boy and then this death of my dad all at the same time. And and so that was was everything you would think in terms of, of changing again, being a turning point in my story. So that's how I would thread that. The I'm going to go back to the divorce at an early age because yeah. you said something about ripple effects that I want to come back and touch on. Yeah. But right now, I just want to linger in the space of like a lot of my reading on. I'll use, I'm using my air quotes, but like midlife crisis, yeah, is the confluence of all these things hitting your life at once, right? Right. It's you're at the peak of your career. Your kids are like reaching a point where everything is like at a high inflection. You're you've been married for X number of years. Your mm-hmm. parents are aging, and there's that's typically like the four you read about, kind of like hitting a confluence yes. point. You're just like it is so much right now. Yeah. And so mom and dad are fine, right? Yeah. But, you know, they, they're they're born in 51, right? Yeah. So they're 71, about to be 72. Um, they're old. And they're older. They're not old. My parents get around, you know, but, like, you start having these thoughts of, like, my Mimi just passed away. Like, yeah. that phone call will come and all that, you know. So the, the thing I wrestle with and the reason – and this is kind of get back to your question. Get to the, back to your stories. Like, what do you – like, what do you do – when you in those moments like to not have regret 
on the backside of that phone call. Yeah. And through your experience with your dad passing, like, is there anything in there that you're like, here's an idea or here's something yeah. I did or something I wished I did or something? Yeah. Because that moment, that phone call will come mm-hmm. for everybody. Yeah. That's you right. know? So the number one thing it's done is it's Ecclesiastes, right? Uh, which is my favorite book in the Bible, which again, I said I was prone, prone to melancholy. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Ecclesiastes is, is basically says it is better to go to the house of mourning than the house of feasting. And so when you, when you do spend the appropriate amount of time thinking about that day, when that call comes to bring you into the house of mourning, what Ecclesiastes is saying is it gives you right perspective. And mm-hmm. we know that, right? Even if it hasn't been mom or dad, when you've been, or even like with granny being at the funeral, all of a sudden things get real. Yeah. You see clearer. Everything is just like, man, it's sobering. And so. Did I tell you that story? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I, I knew that you were going. I just I haven't yeah. heard about what well, happened fin- fin- there. I interrupted because no, I thought fine. that like you, yeah. the way you said it was so clear. I was like, I must have told him my story. Yeah. Keep going and I'll come back to it. So that the main takeaway for me and what I try to do now is to think, okay, even if I and not in a morbid way, but I think what if I only have until I'm fifty seven? I mean, I could I could have this afternoon. I want to be clear about it. I mean, I, it's just a, a thing that I use yeah, to yeah. go, okay, if I've got till fifty seven, how do I live my life with intentionality? And this is another way that the life plan was super helpful for me because I was trying to ask that question of like, what is the most meaningful use of my heart and my talents and my story? And so that that's how that moved. But in terms of looking back, if, or if you're thinking about if this happens to me or when this, it won't be if, it's when this happens to me, I would just say it's an Ecclesiastes sort of exhortation of how am I living my life with my kids, with my wife, with my friends, where am I spending my time, and is it the right use of, of mm-hmm. that time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the like as you were saying that, like just crystal clear to me as I were, and I could have like you said it. I was like I told him this. Um, sitting in the nursing home with my Mimi mm-hmm. before she passed, right, and um, like just sitting there, and sh- she was like in the wheelchair, and we were, I was just looking around and like had this moment of it all boils down to this. We did, okay. We talked about that before. Okay. Yes, where it was like you had that clarity. Uh, yeah. When you realize this is the end. This is yes, and I was yeah. just like, man, if it's like a hustle. I mean, my Mimi was, I forget, ninety five, ninety seven, something like this. Yeah. Like all these things through her life, and all the things that she raised two kids, and blah 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 blah, blah and did all these things, and d- here we are. Yeah. And who's here? Yeah. And I'm not saying that like in a condescending way. Like there were people there, like. Yeah. That cared for her and loved her. Like it wasn't like a sad funeral or anything. It was just like those people are there. And sometimes we're out chasing people mm-hmm. and things and money and whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. Like at the end at the end of this story, yeah. there's a fistful of folks there. Yeah. You know, and that like just gave me like some stupid clarity. Well, and again, Ecclesiastes, it's vanity of vanities or yeah. you know, Hevel. And so it's the Hebrew. And so it's just like that's what it's saying. Uh, it, it, that it's a book about that, unless you get beyond the sun, you know. Which in that uh, metaphor is getting to Father, Son, Spirit, mm. um, and getting to the heart of things. So. Yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit us with one more like reverse move, and then yeah. we'll go forward. Um, you're talking about like the ripple effects, mm-hmm. like the things that unremembered but perceived 
ideas that have like influenced you because it was so young. And, and oftentimes I think around this, like, well, let's unpack all that. Right. I'm like, oh, come on, man. Like I've dealt with that. Right. Like it's, I need to unpack that. That right. happened. It's over. I dealt with it. We're moving on. Mm-hmm. I still kind of live in that space. And so that's why like when, when you're telling the story of like we unpacked it and I talked about right. it and I identified how it affected my truth. I want to talk about that just a little bit because like even as we sit right now, I'm like, eh, mm-hmm. I can't understand yeah. the value of it. Yeah. But there's clearly some value. You've just you've just articulated. So talk talk more about that. Well, it's just being in a rut that you don't know. And so you want to if you're actually in a rut. Uh, although you think you're moving, you'd rather somebody tap you on the shoulder and go, hey, but you're not actually moving. <laughs> so that's what it is. Um, now, you don't want to dwell on it. I do think there's a there's a danger when you begin to do that work of dwelling in it. And now all of a sudden your story is just all about your past. That's not good either. Yeah. But you do want to have some clarity of like, man, I fall into these patterns. And as we talk about like getting behind the the why and the next why and all of that. You're answering that question of why. Like when I look back at my story, are there clues to why I find myself in these patterns? And those are going to be different depending on our story. Mm-hmm. But that there, that's the value so that you can see. And now you can start to live a new story. You can actually really say, man, I don't want to live that rut in that rut anymore. I want to go over there. There's like a beautiful lake and trees and I want to go see that. Well, it's going to take getting out of the rut, which by the way – what do you need when you're trying to get out of a rut if the car's stuck? Yeah, a hand. A hand. Yeah. And so that goes back to what we talked about with perspective. I need help. Getting that help so you can get onto a different path and one that is going to lead more to flourishing. And so that's what I would say about the past work. And, yeah, yeah, you know, okay. That makes sense. Don't overdo it, but you do need to do it some. Um, so, And then once you have clarity, again, you just don't need to keep repeating it all over again. It's just like unless you're in this – story space where like here's what i've learned yeah but don't need to come you know continue to come back to it that makes sense that makes sense i, I appreciate that yeah. um okay let's in true uh momento fashion i suppose let's yeah. zoom forward uh i spent a lot of time at the church man yeah uh leading mm-hmm. uh, navigating mm-hmm. communicating <laughs> storytelling mm-hmm. um and i'm not asking for church secrets here sure. like i'm not like oh tell me all the dirty see like yeah. even to the extent you know i don't want to know them but like surely there's something like for a listener in there who's like, oh, okay, in this situation, this is a way to handle it. Or mm-hmm. here's a, I don't know where we're going here, but yeah. I'm just going to kind of, again, roll the ball across the table and say, what, what of that yeah. that you think, oh man, I really learned that while I was there. I think it's just having empathy for other viewpoints when you're, especially at a large church, you're going to get all the viewpoints. And when you're in leadership at a large church, they'll make sure they get it to you. <laughs> no problems there. And so, you know, I think about obviously COVID we, we felt that to an extreme. We felt that in families even, you mm-hmm. know, just we would sit with some people and they would be chastising us for not leading with courage and, you know, being that, man, we're virtual for too long. Then you would sit with other people when we went back in person, right? You know, who are like, golly, this is just, you're killing people by being back in person. And it was like, if you look at the timeline, our particular route was we were, er- we were back earlier than a lot, um, even in Texas. But we still had some of the people going, man, you guys just didn't leave with courage there. (laughs) And so it's like it's really hard. At the same time, you're like, how do you just listen? How do you get the perspective? You don't have to take everything, but it's good just to be able to sit there and listen. And there have been times, you know, where it's like we really mess something up um, that you're just like, man, we really 
messed up there. Uh, and you helped us see that. And so we're sorry. We got to learn from it. Here's what it looks like to learn from it. Um, so that for me was huge, especially as an introvert by nature, um, being in that space of, of serving thousands of people in person with all those different viewpoints. It was it was helpful, although hard, to like be able to empathize and hear all these different perspectives. And then you can apply, use COVID, but you can apply that to racial relations as we went through all of that. You can apply it to other things that we had, which you can look up online if you want to, that were just super hard and very public. Uh, all those different situations, you know, you're going through this empathizing with this listening. I tried to tell myself after a while, like we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Yeah. So those were, you know, it's high level things. And then there's just a lot you see, you do see a lot of pastors leaving. I think there's all kinds of reasons for that, but um, it's certainly been a turbulent time and pastors really took a lot uh, on the chin with, People just sort of unvarnished, being like angry, sad, all in between. And so uh, kudos to those who have just been faithfully caring for people, you know, and counselors and first responders and all those because it's been a taxing few years. The I can remember a very specific Sunday where at, at Watermark where mm-hmm. they threw – I was like – I forget the graphic. But it was like COVID in the middle, right? It was some sort of weird PowerPoint. Right. And then just like all these like little message clips, like here yeah. we're doing the best we can. Let me give you some perspective on the communication that we're getting, and it's yes. it's this exact thing. And it's like yeah. every like you're back too early. You're back. You're not back soon enough. Yeah. Who wears a mask? Everybody wears masks. <laughs> Where's the hand sanitizer? So hand sanitizers for the week. You know, like just like yes. oh my, like how do you navigate that? Yeah, just go ahead. Please yeah. see the following scriptures for grace. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, we I feel like we tried to lead with grace in all yeah. of it. Like we're literally unprecedented time. Yeah. We're listening as best as we can to yeah. all the things and making the best decisions we can. And we're going to screw it up. And I'm sorry in advance. That kind That's of right. felt yeah. at least and how I, we were approaching I mean, I think it. CEOs of companies and all kinds of – everybody was dealing with this, right? It was all like, why are we having to be in the office or not be in the office? Yeah. Or why could we be on sites and not be on – everybody was dealing with it. And so it um, – Really, really trying, but also like anything like that, you learn a lot. So, so you got some? Well, I was going to say, I've never worked at a church, but I've served like in that honeymoon period. Yeah, all the ministries, <laughs> yeah. and you and, <laughs> and you figure that out. There's so yeah. many business parallels. Like yes. two things: there's business parallels, and not everybody in the quote unquote company is great. That's right. And then the realization from a Christian standpoint that every single one of us is flawed. Hundred percent. You know, there's only one that isn't right. That's right. Like so. Yes. It, things are going to go wrong. Mistakes are going to be made. And yep. you got to have some grace and perspective. In yes. That. Yeah. No matter what side you're on, opinion, it doesn't matter. That's right. Yeah. Well, one of the things I struggle with, and it was actually what I was talking about uh, to Tim Rothberg on the phone whenever I walked in today and you scared the absolute <laughs> crazy out of me. I was actually talking with him about how you take whatever those ideas are, whatever the issues are, this work, church, what, you know, like mm-hmm. this, the smorgasbord of information. And then what do you do with it? Right. Because my knee jerk is to just give like a Stuart perspective on solving that problem. Right. Like, oh, you're unhappy about this. Here's how you should be happy about it. Boom. Right. Gone. Solved. Mm-hmm. Busted. Did it. And at the, the, I think the mo the inflection point where you scared me was, <laughs> I hate you, <laughs> where you scared me was I was actually saying like, how do you flip the switch in your brain so that when you take all those data points, your first thought is to like turn to the Bible and be like, what does the yeah. Bible say about this? Mm-hmm. 
and then you scared me, and I <laughs> screamed and lost all train of thought. Lost all yeah. train of thought and hung up on Tim. But I mean, yeah. you in living in that sort of we're going to turn to the Bible to yes. solve this problem space. Yeah. We're ha- any thoughts on like yeah. activating or flipping that switch? I was having that thought today, and I don't know how to do it. Yeah, I will say there were many times where I did that wasn't my instinct, um, and where I would have just godly men and women around me that it was theirs. And here's the thing, though. I think they'd probably say the same if they were sitting here. So we're back to community. Yeah, we're yeah. We're back to like, okay, who – there's other perspectives and viewpoints here. And we're just not always going to see clearly when we're in leadership. And so how do we listen to those? And again, it, you can't listen to everybody. Um, you shouldn't listen to everybody. But who are those the, – the wisdom of counselors that Scripture talks about when we're in gray areas, we're not dealing with outright sin. We're dealing with a wisdom issue. Mm. Who Who is the wisdom? Where can I go get the wisdom of counselors? And so – I would say, yeah, sometimes I might be that voice that was like, well, there's ancient paths that have just all been laid out for us here that we can go and look to. And then other times, you know, I'm I'm having to be reminded of that. Like I'm jumping into, you know, just a here's exactly what I would do using all the corporate best practices. Yeah. I know. And it would be like, well, the Bible speaks. And I was probably more, I, again, I was prone to that because I'd been in the corporate space. I, I didn't want to necessarily be a pastor and obviously I'm not now again. But that there was a group of people that that was, Praise the Lord! They've always wanted to be pastors, yeah. and they've they've studied the scriptures like Thor. They love it, and praise the Lord for each of you. So those who would be super helpful when I might step into, well, this is how we would do it in corporate world. Uh, and now again, sometimes they needed to hear that, yeah, right? right? So then that's what Kevin was talking about earlier that you start to see the some of the things that are similar about both spaces. But the the pastor gig is so difficult. It is because I mean any public speaking really, but that right. especially. Like you say one bad word in a sentence, and instead of the hour-long sermon that was hitting home, it's like, did he say stupid? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah. yes, yeah, he, did. he did. He's he's, he's going off his dome right That's now. Right. And yeah. like, yeah, people make mistakes. <laughs> people make mistakes. Yeah. It's a, it, I talked to my pastor, which he's coming on next week, and yeah. like, I just try to affirm him. Like, man, mm, you crushed that. Like, great job. He's like, man, it, you came to the 830 service. It was the worst of the bunch. I'm like, <laughs> I promise you it was great, man. Yeah. You did a great job. Yeah. That's a tough gig. Yeah. There's a um, – I'm trying to scroll and find it, but Wes Butler, buddy of mine in my small group, turned me on to the other day. I think it's – is it Carrie Newhouse? Yeah. He's our, our new off. You're, new- are you thinking about Carrie Newoff, who has a leadership podcast? Yes. Yeah. And he had someone on – just in the last couple of weeks, I've been listening to it, and then I'm terrible with names right now, and I can't find it while I'm scrolling. But it was um, talking about like how hard it is to be a like a on the stage pastor right yeah. now God. because it's all performance. Yeah, it's all is your graphic cool and am I entertained? Right, and we got away from pastoring like well. I know Aunt May is in the hospital and I should go check on her because she's part of our body and right. someone bringing dinner to their family and all that stuff. We've got away from it because I can't do that. I'm too busy working on my slide deck. I got to get the, and then the, I got to make sure my jokes are just in the right spot and all that. Like that's yeah. how like the pastoring is sort of pivoted. Yeah. And if, if I kind of will half steal a, a line out of Gladiator, but if we are not entertained, yeah. then we're like, eh, there's probably another church down the road. Yeah. Let's go check that one out, you know? Well, I mean, think about it, though. Even sitting here, what you guys have created with 1720 is that that wouldn't this wouldn't have happened 30 years ago. No. None, all this tech would be way too expensive. You've got NBC, ABC, CBS, some cable channels that can do this. And now we've got this accessible technology to make incredible media and tell yeah. stories, which is awesome. But it raises up that bar oh, for yeah. – 
everybody now where it's like everybody's in media. Yeah. And so everybody's got a voice. And so it that part is really challenging, especially again if you're saying you're you're that lead teaching pastor and have that platform. So yeah. yeah. Okay, so I found out why we're talking. It's um it is Carrie Newhoff. Yeah. And he interviewed Andy Crouch oh, I love on the Andy. problem of breakdowns of trust, the problem with personalization and the disruptions. It's go check it out. Like, well, read anything you can from Andy Crouch. Yes. Yeah, Andy is one of my favorite people. Andy in the world. did the book on like technology, Techwise Family, Techwise Family, yeah, and yeah. just came out with a new book about uh, a meaningful life. And it, tech is always going to be a part of his discussions. Yeah. So it's it was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Listen, finish listening here, and then then yeah. go check that out. There then go, go check that. Out. Um, okay, so I think we've told. I'm looking at my notes. Just yeah. kidding. I don't have any. <laughs> uh, I think we, Kevin knows. I feel like I t- we. Wove it all through here. Yeah. Did we get it? I think what so. What did we miss? I mean, eh, if we forgot something. What did we forget, man? I mean, I, I think the only thing we really – it's been more the future side of, of where things are going. I was telling you guys that um, in leaving the, the village show, May 15th was my last Sunday, which is, again, a multi-year journey starting with Jack. Mm-hmm. Uh, something's off here and, and got to clarity that this is the next step for me um so which it's 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 felt like building two companies at once where it's like trying to do take this work and we all any in these ways that we've been healed right we always want to then go and help others in the same way and so part of what i'm doing is that transformational leadership work is kind of the title for the work with jack um that he trained me in because i love doing that with people now um and the ways that it's helped me and so doing that and then uh, finishing my uh, Patterson certification so I can do life plans for people. Gotcha. So I'm doing that while also on the the creative side because I learned I can't just do that kind of – if I just wanted to do that kind of work by itself, I could stay at the village because that's yeah. really what I was getting to do. There was a part I learned in my life plan where I'm like, I want to create. I want to tell stories. I've got to get back to that part of myself. That's your soul part. That's the soul part. And so that's where I'm I'm working in and around augmented reality. Um, you know, and so it's it's a big word, but it all it really means is just where we're taking kind of digital assets and putting them on our real world life. Uh, this will be where everything goes, you know, by 2030, your phone will be obsolete and it'll be glasses that we look through to tell us things like the weather and to navigate and all of that. Um, and so what I'm trying to do is, is the storytelling side, because what that can do is reveal wonder in the world and to be, you know, in, in the case of one of the stories I'm working on, it's set in Fair Park in Dallas, but it's about a little boy named Max who's lost his father to cancer at the beginning of the story. And he goes into this dream world sometimes to to cope and to just make it. And so I want to, in A Secret Life of Walter Mitty style, if you've seen that, or Finding Neverland, be able to show the audience what Max is dreaming about. So augmented reality, when you do like a musical, uh, let's say at Fair Park Music Hall, you can show that. You can have people put glasses on, kind of like you're at a 3D experience, and see what Max is seeing his head. So big text comes alive we can see big tech step out and come alive for us on stage through AR uh, while he's interacting with Max as a human actor. So that I love that space of where you kind of reveal wonder that's sometimes hidden in the world through storytelling. So working in those two spaces, trying to make all the story we've talked about converge. Yeah. Right? So that's where things are today and moving into the future, hopefully. Put that's your, exciting, man. Dude, put your mind around that idea for just a minute. Oh, you can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like Ken and I had lunch two weeks ago, yeah. a month ago. I can't remember. Something and he was, 
And I was just like, I remember like wide eyed listening and be like, that sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah. I have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. future sounds awesome. Can we go there? <laughs> yeah. I want to go to there. But the, uh, <laughs> the, at the end of the day, it's story, right? It, it's whatever happens with the ways that VR, virtual reality, where you're putting in goggles and go into a whole nother world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whether you're talking about VR, or AR, extended reality, which is XR, it's still going to come down to storytelling. So it'll be a, a good story well told will we'll make all the difference because it's just like when film came around, it was a way to tell stories. Uh, but just because somebody can pick up a camera, as we know, doesn't mean it's going to be a great story. Mm-hmm. So all of that will come down to the story. So we're seeing that in construction, oh, you know, yeah. our space where you, yeah. somebody's got a hollow lens. I'm sure you know yeah. what that oh, yeah. means. Absolutely. And, and you're standing in the building with a 3D model and mm-hmm. they place little things throughout it. And now an owner and an architect, instead of like visualizing on paper or even a 3D model, right. they can walk their space like this studio and be like, you know, the 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 finished sample of that the panel and that paint, it looks good on paper. It looks good in a rendering. But when I'm physically standing in it, it looks like trash. We need 100%. to completely change all of it. That's right. Crazy yeah, so, game-changing innovation, man. Yeah. Education yeah. and construction and healthcare, all of, all of those have been more at the forefront of using VR and AR for training, for visualization. So then that's where a lot of the money will be. Um I just want to do it more in the storytelling side. Yeah, like imagine, awesome. imagine that space, how it could use it. But we'll see if it takes those other industries to fund usually the stories. Yeah. <laughs> so because those are very practical needs, you know, that you just gave a great example or like a surgeon doing training where Oof. you can, you know, put the hollow lens yeah. on and you're seeing these are the different parts of the anatomy just laid over. It, that's so different than reading about it in a book or yeah. watching a video about it, right? It's immersive. Yeah. So that's why all that, it, that's where it's going. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. And crazy. That is. And it's consistent with this idea that like deep, deep, deep inside your, like your soul, you're a storyteller. That's it. How many stories you got banging around your head at any given time? <laughs> oh gosh. I mean, honestly, I do try to keep, we were talking about before we started recording the idea book. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. Um, I have that. But when I right, – like right now, it's mostly Fair Park because yeah. uh, I'm trying to get to know the characters. I'm trying to understand who Max is and who Lucy is and who Henry is and all these people because I got to know their psyches. I got to know their family, their – all that. And so it takes a lot to like go that deep. But if you don't do that, you're going to end up with a plot-driven story that has no heart, no character to it. So I can only do so much of that kind of deep work. and then, But I will have other ideas, and I might scratch it down and yeah, put yeah. it in an idea book. Like, do you intentionally go think about that, or is it just yeah. always rumbling in your head? It's rumbling ahead, but I do have to set time aside. Or I, every, here's the, this, the key. If I don't set intentional time aside and don't bring discipline in – then it'll rumble around in my head and nothing will ever get done. Mm. And that's the bane of a lot of creatives is you have a lot of these ideas, but you're never able to synthesize. And so people that are wired more like me have to do the work of like, when is my writing time? Yeah. How many words a day am I doing? What's the discipline there that I just chop wood, carry water, if you know that book, yeah. where it's just like, that's what I'm going to do. And so that's, how I would explain that. Yeah. What is your vehicle or accelerator? For me, gym yeah. vision. So yeah. like heavy workout or a long run, like all of a sudden, poof, 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 poof. Yes. oh, this is what we need to do. I go immediately home and 
peck it out on a keyboard or write it down in a That's journal. right. Yeah. What, so what is it for you? Usually it's good riding, riding the bike is one. So like riding, it, I don't mean outside. <laughs> like <laughs> for all my friends that make fun of me are my Peloton. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> they're like, why don't you ride a real bike sometimes? I'm like, oh, it's legit. And I'm, and I'm like, because I just don't have this trainer with me who's telling me exactly what to do and push me. Anyway, but generally when I get off of that similar, I mean, it's how our bodies are wired, right? That adrenaline flows, endorphins are, are being released and you have ideas, like things are, are popping. So that's a good one uh music is huge for me mm. so just um i just started re-listening to my chemical romance a song called welcome to the black parade and it is phenomenal that whole album it came out in like oh six or something <laughs> but they basically set aside it's like emo punk but they set aside to try to write a concept album that was a musical about a, a person essentially a man who's dying and this is like what he's seeing the whole album as he's dying and the song, uh, Welcome to the Black Parade, is fantastical. And I'm like, I want to try to put it into the Fair Park musical. So, like, I'll listen to a song like that and think, what if that was part of the story that we told, even in the musical I'm saying? If not, it's going to inspire it. And so it'll lead to that kind of inspiration. So all that to say, like, music is is huge for me, too, in addition to working out. Yeah. You big My Chemical Romance fan, Kev? No. <laughs> Do you know any of my Chemical Romance songs? I know of them. I know the name. Yeah, but that's about the best I could do. I, I, I feel dude, like our musical interests probably diverge more than some of the other things. Here's something fascinating you can do: is if you go, the New York Times in 2019 wrote a big, like, retrospective, interactive retrospective about that album uh, that they made, and it pulls all their influences. So it's like pre oh, the that's album. Cool. And then put so that you'll you'll hear about the Beatles and Sgt. Pepper's Only Hearts Band and how that influenced them, or it might be like Paul Simon. Then all the future, like the bands they influenced, all the way to like like trap music, like how like lo-fi hip hop have been influenced by My Chemical Romance. All this that we've taken a, a big detour, just space I love. But that, if you want to like just take a musical history tour and understand like why music is the way it is right now, like that album was huge. It was very influential. The New York Times is a really cool, if you just Google that, it, it's like 2019. It's a really cool interactive retrospective about the whole thing. I don't know that I love my chemical romance, but I love learning and stories, and I will That's go. What I will go now. It's just interesting. I will go now and watch it. We yeah. all have our own, and I actually remember. That I have such a weird memory. <laughs> I can't remember like what I ate for breakfast, but I'm going to pull this one out. Okay. I remember sending like Tool Fear Inoculum album, and I I sent it to you. I remember the machine I was on at the gym. I'm like. This is a this album is a musical masterpiece, mm. and like in classic Stewie or Kevin format, yeah. you're like absolutely not, but you know, cool, good on <laughs> yeah, you, man. Yeah. yeah, absolutely not. And then I return <laughs> with me like, with that, yeah. And then I return with like some hip hop something, right? Yeah, but it's, like it's every song is hit. like it's like a it's like a movie. It's yes. like 13, 15 minutes long, yeah. and it takes you through this, and like it's what made me survive my marathon. Like after I couldn't handle books there anymore, it it's Fear Inoculum. Let's there go. Do you know that album? That. I don't. See, I it's just believe I will check it out. So, do you know Tool? Are you a Tool? I fan? know Tool. I just don't know the album. I haven't yeah. ever taken it. It's a, their a deep newest dive one. It's it's insane. Okay. But you have to be a fan of like well, rock. You know, and like, it's hard well, can, in the in the like Spotify, you know, Apple Music world where it's just about singles. Yeah, short singles, right? That could made be made into TikTok videos of thirty seconds. That this kind of stuff is just really rare now. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that's old. It's 80s, 70s rock type yes. thing. They have a long song like long. that, like Rush. Yes. Oh, there we go. Yeah. I. I was thinking the other day that like you've we've lost the CD in the CD player. Yes. Just listen to it from start to finish. But we're saying album like a bunch of old. I heads. know. Well, that is a dead game. <laughs> 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 Al- 
it's like is album like an old word yeah, yeah. what album are you holding uh, nobody really it's a spotify <laughs> yeah, playlist. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's just a soundtrack we're old i bro. literally thought about though and maybe we'll do this with tool too of getting that my chemical romance a welcome to the black parade uh, cd just so I'd force myself on like the next road trip or something to just listen to it yeah. from beginning to end, you know, because it's just so true. We just don't do that anymore. You could put it in your disc, man, and try to. <laughs> I actually, my truck actually has a CD player. I don't know why, but Boom. it does. There you Thanks go. Ram. All right, that's. I wouldn't have thought we were going to end with. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. A Tool album, but whatever. It's all my Chemical Romance. Yeah, but, like, so yeah, this is back. a story, not mine. Yeah, it's your story. I did that. Yeah, you did that. Um, yeah. All right, so we usually wrap with like a couple of normal things we do right yeah. a book and sort of a one big punchy thing at the end yeah i feel like i'm gonna curveball you here though right given your creative instincts yeah. and i'm gonna make you tell me favorite album mm-hmm. you can go with that one if you want favorite movie mm-hmm. book and one big thing we're gonna four step out well he's got he already did half of it yeah so, star wars gentle and lowly I have done. Those are those are good choices. He's got something else in there. I, yeah, I've got something for you. Memento. So. You better say Memento. <laughs> no, I, I do like I do like Nolan sometimes. Sometimes he frustrates me. Um, so Goodwill Hunting is my favorite movie. Uh, and you know, listen, I'm sure you can see why. But just incredible performances. I have no idea how Matt Damon and Ben Affleck wrote that in their early 20s. Yeah. Uh, just a profound story and funny. Yeah. And yeah. Just I mean, it, it it just has it all. Uh, so yeah, I would say gentle and lowly, uh, is the book, you know, I love to read, but that's one that has really stuck with me and just helped me, you know, in just times are really, really hard times. I, you know, either, I, I love that my chemical romance album, also X and Y, like we were talking about walking out of Coldplay. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I have my Coldplay shirt on, uh, love Coldplay. So, um, yeah, there's some people that are just. You know, just like haters, and then they're they're glad that that was at the end. They're like, man, if that was at the front of this yeah. episode, we'd just, sh- I'd just been like, next, shut her down. Yeah, yeah first and foremost, huge Coldplay guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> next, next. <laughs> yeah, I'll try to catch the next guy on. <laughs> yeah, not this dude. We um, should start that with with uh, Pastor Sam. Like, all right, what's your favorite album? We're just gonna go clip yeah. through yeah. your uh, listeners here. What was your fourth? I think there was a fourth. one big thing, man. One We're gonna we end with like. Uh, I don't know. You've had a lot of travels. You've had a lot of journeys. You've had a lot of experiences. And it's a little bit reductive to say, tell me what they all mean, right? But, like, if you could, yeah, like, hit me with some, like, big truism that you're like, man, I've lived it. I've seen it. I've done it. And you need to know this. Live free. Dream far. Trust Jesus. Boom. There you go. It was ready. I could, yeah, for sure. Kent and I could talk for six days, man. So I, I look over and I'm like, wow. We could keep going. Yeah. Hopefully other people feel that way. But Our yeah. listeners listen to the end. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. Or until cold play. <laughs> yeah, until that part. <laughs> That's why we were wise to keep it Hold the that. End. I knew you were going to say cold play. I was yeah. like, I will catch him at the end. This yeah. is, I got to draw, it's Darth Vader going like, you were wise to keep this from me, Obi-Wan. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just had to do it. Have you watched Obi-Wan yet? Oh, yeah. Okay. Is Jesus God? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I will say Stranger Things has been, I mean, gosh, that's been my jam, but. William's catching up. I haven't seen the uh, the newest episode. He's catching up, and then we'll zoom zoom. You ready to leap over the table and attack me? Uh oh! I've oh. never watched Star Wars. Any- so no. So my wife hasn't either. She I tried to get her to watch Episode Four, which probably the, immediately scrolling. Was, yeah. She, so <laughs> you're, no, I get it. Like she, no, it, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. I don't hate it. Yeah. How can I hate it? I've never absorbed it. Yeah. It's just a. It's not for everybody. It's like the they were instant ditch at the end. There'll be no instant f- ditch. It's the end. It's exact opposite of instant ditch. 
Good point. Yeah. Well, like normally we're like, hey, one big thing, and then drums on the way out. And now yeah. it's just like Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, 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 war it's, drums. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. But it's Friday evening, so yeah. I've got work to do still. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the uh, there's something about. Star Wars is like so like rich with nostalgia to me. Yeah. When I when it comes on, I'm like, okay, I'll watch it again. Right. And it's not a. I'm not a movie guy. Yeah. But there's and there's so there's not a lot. But when it's on, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. I still love it. And yeah. All the side quests and new episodes and versions and yeah. filling in the blanks and extended universe. I'm like, I'm here for that. Yeah. I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> I don't care. I'll watch it. Or drums. <laughs> More drums. More drums. <laughs> <laughs>